This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Saturday, it will be 32 days since town last tasted victory in the league. 15 days since a match at Portman Road. And for us, 23 days since our last pre-match show. It's time for everybody to get back in the groove. This is the Blue Monday podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast discussing the sound up or down since 2015. I'm Rich Woodward and welcome back to the pre-match show brought to you in partnership with our friends at the Greyhound Pub in Ipswich. We're live every Thursday at 8 o'clock on YouTube to discuss Town's weekend game and you can listen at your leisure anytime after that on podcast and returning to the pre-match show for the first time in 30 days. I've done all the maths, Seb. I've been counting down the days. Seb Brown's back. Seb, how you doing? I'm all right. It's been a while, isn't it? Yeah, doing the research for this. I suddenly thought, Christ, the last script I had was Rusty. Was, was Norwich, wasn't it? Mid-November. So a lot's happened since then. Good to see you. Happy New Year. <laughs> it feels strange, strange saying that 11 days into the month or whatever it is, 11 days into the year. But no, good to be back and good to get the, the structure of the Blue Monday format back on track. Yeah, back in the groove, as we say. And hopefully, yeah, home match, hopefully a victory as well. It feel, as I say, it feels like a long time since one of those happened. But yeah, we'll talk more about that later on. Obviously, we're here to talk about Sunderland. We'll canter through the bits and pieces of news that have happened today as well. Uh, but we are live, so we want to hear from you. If you've got any views on cup draws, on Kyle Edwards, we salute you. Uh, Sunderland, let us know in the chat. Uh, hello to Darren. First up, good cup result. Nervous times ahead. We have the squad to get through this. Let's take it head on. He's giving us the inspiration we need. Seb Stewart's here as well. Looking forward to getting back to winning ways on Saturday. Fingers crossed. G'day to Michael sitting on the patio, having a cup of tea. 24 degrees, just the 24 degrees at 6am. I think it's pretty much zero degrees where where we are right now, Michael, but uh, you enjoy it. Oh, here's Max, 33. Oh, it's like an auction, isn't it? Looking forward to Saturday, he says. Uh, but wondering where our goals will come from. More on that later. Ashley is here. Good to have you with us. Um, 
Neil's here as well, one of the Telegram VIPs. Let's keep fingers crossed for at least one striker in the window. He's not even think, keeping the fingers crossed, Seb, for Saturday. It is, the clock is ticking down a little bit, um, but he's yeah going to be a long wait, he suspects as well. A lot of debate about who, where the goal is going to come from, but um, we'll come back to that later on. Gary's with us as well. Robert is here. It's Chris Randolph, first double of the season. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the game of the Stadium Lights, Seb. Um, earlier and and how significant that was at the time it definitely set us on the right course didn't it but it will be good it feels like for lots of reasons to get the victory any any way any how we can get that victory um we'll be looking for that as well jason's with us tommy's here chris in new zealand shane mw love it um lots of people here so great to have you oh and our mate john's here as well from corinthian from corinthia evening from corinthia from saying that right in austria so talk to me about Maidstone in the cup, your your take on that as a draw and your take on it being 12.30 on a Saturday or live on BBC One. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm not looking forward to the pre-match research for that one. We might have to do a watered down version because I'm not sure the uh, the websites I normally use will have that much information on, on Maidstone. Yeah, it was an interesting draw, wasn't it? I guess, you know, when you get to the fourth round, you start to get a little bit excited and think, could you potentially get one of the big boys away from home? I was hoping for a, you know, a, a Liverpool and Everton, if they win their replay, a Wrexham, um, just for, for kind of convenience where I am. But then uh, quite a few in our Telegram chat were saying, you know, Maidstone are uh, still in the competition. That would be quite good and that's who we've got and we're on telly again for whatever feels like becoming a, a weekly event at the moment we're on the b but half 12 on bbc one i don't can't even think the last time we were on bbc can can you think of anything i remember the 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 uefa cup run was on bbc i think we lost four nil under roy newcastle. newcastle on on, uh, on bbc was there a Norwich yeah, game but... before or after that maybe as well on bbc the 12 four right. one when grant holt did he score a hat trick at carrow road yeah carrow road he did might yeah. have been roy afterwards King. Roy Keane's second season, but but yeah, so it's on it's on telly. It's a it'll be a it'll be a good exercise for us. We can hopefully rest a few first teamers, you know, still put out a, a half decent side. Hopefully, it'll be a decent crowd so that uh, Maidstone can get a bit of a, a bit of a payday. And then you're into the the business end, aren't you? The the fifth round. We've not been there since Watford 2007. I'm guessing with was it Jamie Peters disallowed goal and yeah, George O'Callaghan dancing together That's on Danny Haynes. That's Terry and... Butcher dancing that I'm doing there and Chris Swaddle, isn't it? In 1990, <laughs> yeah, is, is the term. Um, but yeah, so no, yeah, chance to get some minutes into the squad players, hopefully get a good result. And then hopefully it'd be nice when it draw one of the, the big boys. I'd really like Spurs away. That's that's probably one that I'd Everton really away love. away as well? That's got well, yeah, Everton there? for the for the project. That's less pressing now because they've delayed their stadium move by another season. So I can always do that that next year. But yeah, Spurs away would be nice. That, that nice big new stadium. But we'll see how it goes first. Get past Maidstone and then we'll see who we get. Yeah, well, keeping it FA Cup related, ITFC women are in FA Cup fourth round action themselves this weekend on Sunday at the AGL Arena, 1pm kickoff. And against Championship Charlton, a team that they've played against in pre-season, including as recently as this pre-season just gone, looking to bounce back after a really frustrating, one of these kind of S-house, Seb, sucker punch defeats that seemingly only Oxford are capable of doing to both us um, well the men's team and the women's team so yeah definitely looking to bounce back and a, a, a competition that Joe Sheehan's team have got a lot of history and pedigree in including a, a really excellent penalty shootout win against Southampton where 
Isty Bryant scored the all-important penalty, I think, and she's just rejoined the club after a spell in the States. Um, so she has signed a new deal forward, adding to the options that Joe Sheehan has at his disposal there. But the great news is we are sponsoring that match on Sunday against Charlton. We're the match sponsor. We're picking player of the match and all sorts of great stuff. If you're interested in going, if you've been thinking, oh, I, I've never been to the ADL Arena, I've never seen ITFC women then what better fixture than this one? So if you want to find out more, ping us a, a Twitter DM or um, ping us an email or contact me or at ITFCWOSC, the official supporters club for the women's team as well. And they'll give you all the information you need to get down to the AGL Sunday 1pm. But we'll be um, yeah talking more about that after the fact on the flagship show. Seb, our mates fan supporting food banks are out and about collecting again um, and will be ahead of Saturday's game as well, won't they? Yeah, this is the January collection game. Obviously, there's only uh, one league home game in January now with the, the Rotherham game being moved. So this is their January collection date. They're, they're collecting from 3pm at the Sir Bobby Robson statue. No mention of the fan zone on the social media this time. So it might just be outside the ground that you can drop down there with you know physical items or they'll take monetary donations as well. Uh, if you go to at ITFC underscore FSF on Twitter or X, if you're cool and use it by its new name, you'll see all the details there. They've got lists of recommendations to bring. And if you can, as we always say, please do help out it's a really great cause and it really helps people at this time of year and it, it shows the kind of you know the, the greatness that can come when footballers come, football fans kind of come together if you can please help out yeah great shout and if you're a Sunderland fan listening to this traveling down as well they, they very much welcome donations from you guys as well so get involved Neil in the chat Seb has rightly mentioned I think oh yeah Lincoln Cup defeat is the most recent in the in on BBC, so I hit the bones out of that Mick McCarthy, as yes, Terry Butcher right, said at full time. Not a helpful precedent for us, is it? Um, <laughs> more on TV games later. A lot of love for West Ham, Ashley Paul. Um, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, Neil I've not been to West Ham. Yeah, same. Jump on the train um, down to Stratford, so that might be a good one as well. But got to beat Maidstone first, guys. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Seb, how disappointed are you that Kyle Edwards has joined Mutual Consent FC? I'm gutted. I really am. I know logically he went on loan to Oxford in the summer window and he was going into the final year of his contract. But for some reason, the fact it was a six month loan, I just thought he might go there and rip it up and come back. And I've I've absolutely loved watching him for the last two years or so. You know, I know I know he hasn't got many starts in that time and the numbers aren't aren't outstanding by any means. But as a footballer, I thought he was lovely to watch. I was there at his debut at Cheltenham about three games into the Paul Cook season. I remember doing a live show with Ben the following day and I described him as being unplayable which <laughs> might not have been the right term to use looking at the career moving forward but you know he was an excellent part of that that squad last year he contributed a few times over the over the course of the season and yeah lovely footballer seems to be an epic guy as well you know the the big smile that we see on all the social media stuff the iconic celebrations on the pitch at full time uh, with the after the exeter game and yeah a lovely guy who unfortunately is one of those that what did mark ashton say won't be coming on the journey with us whatever he said in in the summer and unfortunately he's moved on he's we wish him well his loan was kind of curtailed early by a hamstring injury it sounds like he's out for a good two or three months which i'm assuming is why we've decided to mutually consent fc him rather than ask for a for a fee because he's out of contract in the summer and hopefully he gets himself fixed up with with Oxford I presume when he gets his rehab done with them and he can hopefully yeah have a good career in the in the lower league again but yeah gutted because file it under the Greg Lee one you know another player that I really love from last season and yeah part of me is gutted that he's not going to make it with us 
Yeah, worth noting, I mean, 63 appearances, in, I think, in all comps, three goals, eight assists, and that probably tells the story as to why he hasn't been part of the team this season. But yeah. some great memories, as you say, Seb. What, what ones jump out for you? What one moment? Well, it's the, it's the two goals against Cambridge, isn't it? You know, struggling to break Cambridge down. And I see, was it Chrissy just put in the, in, oh, Paul, Paul Westlake just put in the chat saying uh, it was definitely a shot, not a cross. But the second goal he scored with the outside of his right foot as well, running onto it mm-hmm. on the edge of the D, I loved as well. And I think he scored a free kick against Accrington, Accrington. didn't he? And his, his numbers did improve last season. You know, McKenna clearly got more out of him. I think he might have only got one or two assists in the first year. And I think all his goals and the, the majority of the assists came last season after a preseason under McKenna. Um, but yeah, it's that Cambridge game, isn't it? That's probably his most telling contribution. That and the the occasional moments of brilliance on a pitch where he would produce a moment of magic, drop a shoulder, knock it past a man with a trick and get us all excited. Yeah, and uh, I, I was fortunate enough to meet him at the end of last season, courtesy of our, our friends at Innovation Labs, who I, th- I think um, Peter from Innovation Labs was actually sponsored him as well, was his, was his sponsor. Um, and he has got a Blue Monday mug in his possession as well, Kyle Edwards. So Brilliant. hopefully something to remember us by. But yeah, the, I remember the scenes against Exeter um, and he was very much involved in those. So a really great character. You know, one of those kind of players that you never know what he's going to do. Um, really exciting to watch. And as Seb has said, we, we wish him all the best, both with, with his recovery and with wherever he ends up next should we move on to Sunderland Seb oh there's lots of um chat what we got yeah yeah we put up next chat and we three goals one cross one cross harshly Paul Westlake thinks differently one toe poke outside of the boot and one worldie into the top corner yeah I think that yeah and Michael not great stats but he got us up the pitch went under pressure put the opposition on the back foot when coming on as a sub you know, the Cambridge away game said a great case in point, you know, knocking down the door, couldn't get the goal and he creates the the, the tap in for Ladapo, doesn't he? You know, so yeah, clearly um very gifted player and yeah, we wish him all the very best. Yeah. Let's move on, shall we, and talk Saturday. And you've titled this uh Sunderland um out with the old, harshly, in with the new. Talk to us about what's going on up in the northeast. It's the way to sum it up at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, out with the old, literally. Tony Mowbray has moved on after, just... was it 18 months or so of pretty decent service there? And they've uh, hired Michael Beale, which I think was a fairly shock appointment for most of us. We'll discuss him and his career and what he's done. And is he David Brent? Is he a LinkedIn parody? Not entirely sure at this point. Um, and I guess the ownership group, you know, they're in a strong position at the moment. The ownership group will be looking to to back him in this window. They need a striker. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? They need a, uh, they need a physical presence up front and a proven striker at this level. And I guess they'll be hoping they can go one further than last year when they finished in the playoffs and lost across two legs to Luton in the semi-finals. But I like Sunderland. I don't know about you. Sunderland's one of those clubs that I just, I kind of... Go on, say it. A, say it. What? Use the P word. What? What's the P word? It's proper club. It, it is though, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've all seen the mean? Netflix documentary and I, I don't know at the time if I could relate and just think you could replace the badges on the wall with the town crest and this is basically the same <laughs> documentary being played out in front of our yeah. eyes. But, you know, um, they are they are a proper club. You say it, you know, you, they're, 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 a, they're, a, they're a huge... Well, they're not the biggest club at this level because we've got Leeds obviously this time, but but certainly in League One, they were probably the biggest side ever to drop down to League One. Hello, Shifford Wednesday fans. Um, and I just think that they, they're a club that does deserve to be in the higher echelons of the championship 
championship. I kind of, I'm kind of pleased for them. It's turned around after the few horror seasons that they've had. Um, I'm not entirely sure this is going to be an overly easy game at the weekend. No, well, Zorak is a little bit concerned. Just no goal threat. He says at the moment he'll be surprised if we get the three points. I mean, but we've started we're talk- scoring from corners again. So, well, we're, we'll talk more about how to get at Sunderland as well because I, I think there are defensive issues there as well, which give me some hope. Michael Beale's strategy as well, I think, may set up to for some of the personnel that we have in the building. Hashtag in the building as well, including one Jeremy Salmiento. So we'll we'll talk more about that later on. I, before we kind of get into the state of play with how things have panned out since we played them, said so that game on the opening day, to me, I wonder if if we hadn't won that game or hadn't held on to that win, whether we would have been as sparkling in our early season form. You want do, do you put anything into that? Do you give that kind of because it was a surprising victory. I don't think any of us really predicted going to the Stadium of Light team that had just lost out in the playoffs and getting a win, and yet we did. Did that? Did that kind of galvanise us to the start to the season that we, we saw? I think it did. It's a very difficult opening fixture when you look at it on paper. You know, the fixed list was was published in June and I thought, well, that's going to be a tricky start and then we'll see what we can get at Stoke and QPR. It's a ground we haven't had an amazing record at. I know we won a, uh, I think it was the, the the year they got relegated down to League One, but overall our performance there wasn't amazing. And if you look back at it, yeah, like you say, it was a game that some crucial things kind of happened in that match. You know, George Hurst got his first championship goal. There was a, yes. I know it wasn't a, it wasn't a big Tick. money move, but it was what, 1.5 million quid oh. he hadn't scored at Rotherham, hadn't yeah, scored hadn't at, Yeah, Yeah, and there was a theory of can he do it at this level? So he ticks that box. Obviously, the big one is Slagkey playing in goal. Uh You know, Walton is ruled out uh, a few, was it days? I think maybe a week or two before the game and we're all kind of panicking, thinking, right, well, do we get a goalkeeper? We can't get anybody in in time. Let's give Slagkey a game. And to think, I mean, I didn't watch it. I was in the States, so I was following via social media and and Telegram. Um, But I saw lots of things saying, you know, oh, Slagkey likes to take risks with the ball at his feet. And I think we were all quite nervous, but he produced a big save towards the end of the game. I think he pushed an effort onto the post and we got the win and I think that kind of proved to us yes you know we've we've done it for the last four months at league one level and gone on this absolutely rip roaring run of form and torn the league up but we've now gone to a side that finished in the playoffs a few months ago you know that has spent a bit of money and and we went head to head with them when we came away with the victory and okay we were lucky it's probably one of those games you, you could decide on a coin toss there's been a few of them so far this season but we came out the right side of it and we saw the uh we saw a few of the things that were come to pass you know George Hurst got off the mark flag he was comfortable with the ball at his feet do you remember the 13 minutes injury time <laughs> yeah. that's going to be a regular occurrence which petered out pretty quickly assist um, broadhead goal broadhead as well i think yeah more yep, so. as you say like dominating midfield um so yeah lots to like about that game and very much so yeah. So i think it did i think it, i think it did galvanize us going into those you know those games against stoke and against qpr to us it's about the situation then sixth in the championship at the moment um probably a, li- a little bit of a rally of late maybe the inconsistent there's a lot of teams kind of hovering around that six mm. spots which includes Sunderland obviously the current custodians of it who maybe aren't as re- you know relentless as the top four and uh, maybe it's not accepted at the moment right but we're not losing matches but you know what I mean like can't put on that like win after win after win that gets you kind of that spot secured or even pushes you higher and yeah Sunderland's kind of form a little bit patchy isn't it it is yeah so it's obviously Mick- patchy 
Yeah, Mick Beal has now been there in charge of, I think it's four games now. Um, so he's come in. He's the, the, the manager at the moment. So they're sitting the table with 40 points, played 26. They've won 12, which is less than 50% of their games so far this season. Drawn four and lost 10, a goal difference of plus eight. Their last five is 12th in the league, so pretty average. They've won two, drawn one, and lost two with a goal difference of minus one. Just for perspective, our current form is 20th in the table, just to uh, to put a bit of dread into you all. Uh, the wins were a 2-0 victory last time out in the league against Preston uh, and a 1-0 win over Hull, uh, which is a pretty decent result. If, if they've got to try and get that sixth place finish, they need to beat those sides in and around who are also going for that uh, uh, that, that that spot. And I guess playing Hull before they sign Fabio Carvalho is always a good time to <laughs> no, do it, isn't it? Step. Yeah, mental. Uh, the draw was a 1-1 draw away at Rotherham, which sounds dodgy, but we know Rotherham can be a tough place to go to. They're very much a home side this season. And their losses were 1-0 to Bristol City and a 3-0 defeat at the Stadium of Light in McBeal's home, first, uh, first game uh, against Coventry, uh, who have mm. been on an absolutely rip run form, haven't they? Since we, yeah, maybe they're the, the ones for that sixth yeah. or fifth spot. At yeah. the moment, it would suggest, yeah, the summer business they've done is kind of bedded in and they're all starting to, to hit form nicely. Away from home, Sunderland, it was a weird dynamic last year. Sunderland were really good away from home. I think they got 39 points from the uh, from the games away from home last season, but this year have been no, nowhere near as strong. Their away record is 16 points on the road, which is the ninth best in the league. So it's, it's okay, but it's not, it's not amazing. Uh, they've played 13 away, won four, drawn four, lost five with a goal difference of plus two. They are, however, unbeaten in their last two away days. As I mentioned, they beat Hull and got the one all draw at Rotherham but they did have an away run from October to Boxing Day without a win which kind of put the pressure on Mowbray and he kind of departed a couple of weeks before before the Christmas break they don't score many goals away from home 14 goals four is the 16th best in the league but equally they also don't concede many away from home either 12 goals conceded away from home is the second best in the league along with Leicester yeah, I think Leicester have won less, I think. They they're 11, kind of yeah. they are the jam in the sandwich between uh, us and Leicester, aren't they? But yeah, it, I look at the, the the Rotherham one as you say like <laughs> draws it for big teams at Rotherham seems to be a regular occurrence now, doesn't it? Um that Hull victory definitely had a bit of smash and grab about it and needed uh, Clark to ping one in from the edge of the area otherwise Hull I think had the majority of the chances in that one and you know defensively I think you can learn lots from that and the Coventry game. If we're going to look at that, maybe to a lesser extent, Newcastle, which we'll talk about now because Newcastle have got <laughs> amazing Premier League players. Um, but Seb, I think there's bits and pieces in those games that would give me some comfort that we can create chances. As the guys are saying in the chat, though, it's it's finishing those off. Do you want to talk to us about that 3-0 defeat last time out in the, in the FA Cup? As I say, difficult to read much into that because of the, the calibre of the opposition, but relevant yeah. nevertheless. Yeah, so the last time out last weekend was a 3-0 defeat at home to Newcastle. Had this weird thing before the game. Did you see this, where the oh, signage yeah. in the, the bar was changed? Because of the FA Cup, because you get a higher allocation of fans, I think there were 6,000 Geordies there, and that meant they had to go in a section of the, of, of the stand that had a bar. And yeah, Sunderland kind of redid some of the signage to say, away they the didn't. lads. And I think that oh. was the issue. I think they wanted to do it to avoid kind of antagonizing maybe the away sport and i think yeah, but all you do is they got, your home fans they got a, well it was in the away end though but and i think they got a contractor a newcastle contractor and to do it didn't check what they were doing and just let them get on with it <laughs> and that i think that's the situation there i think that's right um and that's what happens you know if you if you just kind of abdicate responsibility for your own stadium and let a newcastle contractor come in you're going to get lied to, you know, you're going to get <laughs> stupid stuff like that. So I think lots of incompetence there, which I think the owner um, 
definitely posted quite apologetically about on Instagram that wasn't happy with that, but didn't set them up well, did it, Seb? And no, not big at all, atmosphere, as you as you know, in the big games at the Stadium of Light, twelfth man impact and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of yeah defensive issues there that I think yeah. gifted the goals at times to Newcastle. Very much so, yeah. Dan Ballard will discuss him. He's one of their centre-backs. He didn't have the best of afternoons. He scores an own goal to open the scoring. They then try and play out from the back and Pierre Hikwa kind of makes a mistake in possession and Newcastle get the second a matter of seconds after the half-time whistle. Dan Ballard then gives away a penalty. He lets Anthony Gordon get goal side of him later on. Gives away the penalty and Alexander Izak kind of wraps wraps things up. It's it's no shame in reality, is it? Because, you know, you compare the two squads and from whenever they met, they must have met eight years ago, seven years ago in the Premier League, probably more on an even keel back then i know some of them are relegated but newcastle were kind of always in and around the relegation spots the last few seasons till the buyout but you look at the two respective squads and players now you look at the lineups on saturday and it's, it's a complete mismatch they'll still be disappointed they weren't able to give a good account of themselves only 36 percent possession uh, in the match um but yeah that's that's now done put to one side and they'll be looking to bounce back quite quickly uh, on the weekend against us yeah the the equa moment kind of typifies some of the stuff that i've seen of late um, well, no, we'll talk about the well, let's talk about the Preston game now because it it takes a Alex Pritchard long ranger to kind of get them into this game. The, similarly, I think Hull game, as I mentioned, there's a there's a long ranger from Clark Rotherham, the equaliser from Clark is deflected. So they do give opposition possession and chances in their area. They just are quite good at not conceding. We'll talk about the keeper later on as well. But yeah, it does feel like these games are quite marginal and maybe. Sunderland through the quality of some of the individuals they have maybe coming out on top. Was that, is that typified by this Preston game, perhaps? Yeah, it's a couple of moments of magic, isn't it? If you look at the stats, the cold heart stats, they were 46% possession, so less possession than Preston. I know people don't like XG, but it is normally a decent kind of measure of the chance quality throughout a game, and the XG was 0.5 for Sunderland and 0.54 for Preston. So it was kind of two moments of magic. Alex Pritchard is playing on the right at the moment in a, in a 4-2-3-1, kind of cuts inside, gets it to the um, about 30 yards out and lets one, let one rip from, from distance. And then it's a 60-yard run from Jack Clark, arguably the player of the season so far in our league um, who puts a cross in for new signing Nazari Rushan to get his first goal of the season he kind of gets across his man and toe pokes the ball home so a couple of moments of magic from Clark and Pritchard in an otherwise pretty dull match Should we talk about the, the new boss then we mentioned him at the top when we were talking about Sunderland introducing them obviously sentimental reasons we I think all quite feel hard done by for Tony Mowbray who a fair play to him is now ended up at Birmingham and you know if you if you wanted someone to set steady the ship after Wayne Rooney's chaotic and um very underwhelming to say the least spell at Birmingham you could do much uh, worse than Tony Mowbray so it, it, that feels like a good appointment there a lot of people quite yeah just dis, you know disappointed maybe for Mogger in that situation but I guess Sunderland a progressive ambitious team even at this level having only returned there a couple of years ago. And maybe, as you said, Seb, a little bit surprised that they went for Beale, not really set the world alight too well, but is well thought of. I wonder whether he's kind of partially ticking the box of a McKenna type, which seems to be the model that everyone in the championship is going for, right, at the moment, but maybe does so with a little bit more age and a little bit more experience and therefore is a bit of a, a 
compromise. What, what say you? Because he's got pedigree, hasn't he, Bill? Yeah, he's got a bit of pedigree, especially from his assistant coaching days and his youth kind of his youth days. I just, yeah, I just think given, given Mowbray had them in ninth, didn't they? So they were three points off the playoffs when they fire him, and I guess it kind of felt like he was on borrowed time because the they lose to Luton in the playoff semi final last year. I think was it the next day the rumors started to come out they were looking to make a change for whatever reason they decided not to. Obviously, they kind of stick with him. He goes through a dodgy run of form. I think it was one win in five going into December, and they make the decision to. to to, to move on and then they kind of have this this link with the is it will still is it will still the guy in france you know the football manager guy um they have a link with him and you can th- kind of think to yourself okay well that makes sense you're going to move from a you know a, a, a tried and trusted safe pair of hands in mowbray who plays attacking albeit sometimes a little bit pragmatic football and develops youth and you're going to go for this kind of heavily you know mckenna-esque data driven kind of younger person to come in and totally revolutionize how you do things but for whatever reason, they, they they don't go for him. I think they had a chat with him, it sounds like, but they didn't finalise that deal. And Beal, who's been out of job, uh, out of a job at Rangers for for a couple of months, ends up getting the gig. So I thought he was a bit of a surprise appointment, like you say. Is he is he one of these? Is it fair to say young manager light models? Maybe you know he's not as young as some of them, like Rossini and McKenna and the rest of them, but he does kind of fit that that mould at the moment. As I said, he'd left Rangers after a pretty decent win percentage, but a pretty poor spell in charge. You know, he is. His career, he comes through the academies at, at Liverpool and, and, and Chelsea. Uh, he then ends up going to Sao Paulo, bizarrely, as an assistant manager, gets sacked. Uh, Rangers with Stevie G, moves to Aston Villa with Stevie G uh, when he gets that gig. And then he gets appointed his first proper gig. He goes to QPR in June 2022 as the manager. He has 22 games in charge there. He wins nine of them, which is a 40% win record. He starts pretty poorly. They only win one out of five. Then they go on a really good run. They win eight out of 11. And QPR were top of the league in the November time of the 22-23 season. He's linked with Wolves after somebody left there. I can't think who that was. Presumably before they hired before they hired um uh Looper. Lu- oh yeah. Is it not, not Nuno then? Might be no, Nuno. Nuno was at Spurs, wasn't he? I can't remember. It was a it was a Portuguese guy, but I can't remember who it was. He was linked with that, didn't go there. Then the rot starts to hit in a little bit at QPR. I think they were winless in five, dropped down to seventh, but he goes off to Rangers. He gets the Rangers gig, obviously having been an assistant manager there under Steven Gerrard. Um he succeeded Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. Um, and then things just didn't really get off to a good start. I mean, they lose 7-3 uh, to PSV Eindhoven in their Champions League playoff game. There's criticism from the fan base around a lack of playing identity, and especially a big criticism was not turning up in big games. Like I say, that 7-3 defeat to PSG, few losses to Aberdeen and Celtic in there, and then three wins out of seven and a seven-point gap to Celtic. You just can't have that when you're up there, can you? You know, you have to be going sort of blow for blow at the top of the table. They won't allow a gap to appear that that much in the stadium, and they and they get rid of him and he finishes with a weird record he's, he's managed 43 games at Rangers he's won 31 of them which is a 72% win record which sounds amazing but given the fishbowl that is Glasgow and you're going up against Celtic that isn't good enough and he's uh, he's moved on yeah you should be I mean if you're not going to beat Celtic it should be 90% win ratio frankly shouldn't it so yeah I mean he has come through as you mentioned through at Chelsea and Liverpool yeah so yeah he his fundamentals as a coach are, are sound probably, but you need to, you need more than that, don't you? And you maybe need a team and he was part of a team, but you wonder whether, you know, he's got the, yeah, the, the 
credibility around him perhaps um, well i guess the logic is i mean I've, I've seen today quite a lot of praise for him as a coach apparently on the training ground he's, he's he's really good a lot of the players were saying from his time at villa and his time at rangers that as a, as a coach he's he's really good so maybe maybe going into a club like sunderland where you've got that structure around you in terms of you know you don't have to really look True. after the transfers you've got all that kind of stuff taken care of if you can just focus on the day-to-day coaching element maybe he might well he, he might end up doing well here we don't know We'll talk more about how he's setting up his Sunderland team. You mentioned the the rather eye-opening defeat to Kov first time out for him. Maybe a few tweaks to, to either establishing his way of playing or to address some deficiencies that he's seen as a consequence of that result. But firstly, let's talk about our history in this fixture. Uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty square, isn't it, Seb? It is exactly square, yeah. So overall, it's 24 Ipswich wins, 9 draws, and 24 Sunderland wins. We've already discussed the last time we beat them on the opening day of the Championship weekend back in August. The last time at Portman Road was a one-all draw in December 2021. I think Kieran McKenna was named manager, was it 48 hours beforehand? Very late on a Thursday night, wasn't it? So he was there in attendance, but it was the last of these kind of John McGreal caretaker manager spells. I remember that it was the first pack-out Portman Road campaign game, if I remember correctly. Wes Burns was at right but right wing back with a back three system which McKenna kind of took and molded into the what we know now the 4-2-3-1 that we come to know and love now uh, James Norwood and Nathan Broadhead for Sunderland got the goals on that day and our last victory over Sunderland was in September 2017 playing swashbuckling attacking football under Mick McCarthy <laughs> we ended up winning 5-2 as Sunderland ended up going down to the uh, uh, down to league one that season do you want one of my lineup quizzes because I know you love them I'm trying to, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure I do, but the chat will help me out. I mean, why not, Seb? Because I, I've I'm not given to... you the goal scorers because if I gave you five goal scorers, yeah, you'd well, have I, half I, the I, team already. So it was a 4-2-3-1 uh, with a couple of players playing out of position. So oh, go. Okay. Right. I'm trying to remember who features in this because this, this is in the Sunderland Until I Died um, documentary for about 30 seconds. They don't they do not do it blow by blow, but I, th- I think it kind of is typifying how the team is falling apart. I want to say Garner and Waghorn. And I want to say there's a low, is it Cal- is Colony and Connolly in there? No, nope. no, he's not. Um, Neil's saying McGoldrick. I think he's gone as yeah. he? McGoldrick was the number 10. Oh, so Garner's the lone striker. Waghorn played on the right of the 4 2 3 1, and McGoldrick was the number 10. Um, Bart in goal. Yep. Chambo. Yep. Knudsen. Yep. Smith. Is he still around? Nope. I think Bera. he was there, but he, he didn't play. Bera. Nope, he's gone. Bit of, bit of Scuggles. You got one of them, yeah. Scoose, yeah. Douglas, Douglas had gone. Scoose was one of the the two central midfielders. The other central Kevin midfielder Brew. made about three appearances for us. Um, is Larson Torre around? I don't know. I'm trying to get my no. years right. No, no. Um, is it? Uh, go on, help us out. Spence. Someone saying Spence. Yeah, Spence scored. So Spence played at centre-back alongside. He's one of the ones out of position alongside Chambers. So you need the right-back. You and me saw the right-back get torn apart at Villa Park a few weeks later. I offer. Dominic Iorfa was the yeah, right back. So, yeah. yeah, my conspiracy theory is he went off injured, and I'll put injured in quotation marks. Yeah. Oh, here you go, Neil. Yeah, Neil Wilmers. It was Tom Adiemi alongside Cole wow. Scoose in the middle. So all you're missing now is one of the goal scorers who played on the left of the 4-2-3-1, who was back and probably featured in that one-all draw at Portman Road in December 2021. Oh, wow. I should know left then, the club, I? Came back a few years later, two loan spells. Oh, that's not helping me. 
Bursant Selena. Oh, yeah, someone put... I thought we already done Selena. Oh, did you? Oh, apologies, I missed yeah, that. No, okay, no, yeah, so the, yeah, the lineup was Barton goal. I offer Spence, Chambers, Knudsen, Skoos, Nadi, Amy, Waghorn, McGoldrick, Selena, and Garner was the striker. The goals were Waghorn, Spence, Selena, McGoldrick, and Grant Ward off the bench. Swash buckling stuff, <laughs> uh, as David confirms there. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We, we're going to have to mix up the format um, here on Pre-Match Show because we uh, we did talk about arrivals and all that kind of stuff. January business, Sunderland have not done anything yet. They are one of seven teams, I think, who are being linked with Keith Moore, at least seven, um, but nothing there. But probably the, the thing that people have already put it in the chat, Seb, Everyone's got fingers and toes crossed that someone in the Premier League might have a look at Jack Clark with some serious intention, right? Are you hoping for a Willie Nonto situation where he can't play because his head's been twisted by the the lures and the It'd be and nice the to have the opposite of what we had with Leeds, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would be, yeah. Yeah, Jack Clark is the one getting a bit of attention, isn't he? West Ham and Crystal Palace have been linked with him. West Ham have just lost Jared Bowen and Lucas Paqueta to a couple of injuries. And I guess he kind of fits the mould of those kind of players. So potentially they might look to do something there. And he's he's crucial for Sunderland. As you say, been linked with a the striker. They they kind of signed Lewis Semedo in the summer. And um, the guy that scored last weekend, Russian, to replace the goals of Ross Stewart, who moved to Southampton for 8 million quid and played about 13 minutes of football since. So they are after a striker and we'll, we'll see if they can get anybody in. But as of time of recording, going live at uh, half past eight on Thursday night, Jack Clark is still there and they don't have a striker yet. Come on, David Moy, sort yourself out. Get in there quick before <laughs> before Roy Hodgson does. I'm, I'm going to try and get some business going. Start. The I'm auction. sure he's watching. I'm, I'm yeah. sure he's watching. He bloody loves Ipswich Town podcasts, I've heard. Uh, let's talk about how uh, Michael Beale might set up his team then. Um, 4-1-4-1, you think, in that commentary game and a little bit of 
you know, we keep the mechanic comparisons going, but he's basically adopted the four-two-three-one that everyone seems to do, right? Yeah, four-two-three-one yeah. for the last three, which resulted in two wins and a draw and two clean sheets in that time. It was a four-one-four-one in his first game at home to Coventry, where they got smashed. So he has adapted it slightly in terms of a playing style. They're a bit similar to us. Obviously, this is heavily Mowbray's kind of stats. We've only got four games of of, of, of sort of sample data to go on for what Beal's going to look to do with them. But at the moment, similar, they have they have slightly more passes per sequence, but they don't get the ball forward as quickly as we do. They have they've had eight hundred and nineteen touches in the opposition box so far this. Season, which is the second highest in the league after Southampton. They are strong down the flanks. We'll discuss Trey Hume, who's a right back that I really like. 19 crosses per game is the second highest in the league. And Beal's kind of spoken in the past in this kind of David Brown. Didn't he? Yeah, Beal's come out and spoken in the past about how he wants to play. He wants to funnel opposition teams out wide, play high defensive lines. Wide midfielders will look to cut inside into the box to create a bit of space for the the bombing on full back to get the ball in. But the Rangers fans that I could, I listened to a couple of podcasts and read a few kind of message boards, and the Rangers fans were kind of a bit critical, saying he kind of talked a good game, but we didn't really see any of this in any kind of consistent practice up at Ibrox. It's interesting that uh, our mate Chris, who's in the chat tonight, talked about Tom Adiemi now doing an NBA at Harvard. Um, oh, is he? Fair also play. mentioned that, yeah, Bill maybe talks came to get himself into these jobs as well. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of that. And uh, certainly new charms me. Preston had um, had definitely a lot of time out wide, Coventry as well. So that may be a, not a strategy when you've got Wes Burns, Nathan Broadhead, hopefully Leif Davis, Jeremy Sarmiento off the bench perhaps, who, who can run at you. Um, so, we'll be, yeah, it might, be, might not be a good strategy against us. Any away stats that catch your eye as well that might help us understand how they might go about it? They like to keep hold of the ball. 59% possession is the third highest in the league away from home. 16 shots. This is a weird stat. 16 shots per game is the highest in the league. And yet, as we said earlier, they've only scored 14 goals from that. So they're not prolific away from home, but they will get their shots off. Um, but as ties in with what I said earlier, where they've only conceded 12 on the road, which is the second best in the league, they're pretty miserly in terms of conceding shots per game. They've only conceded 10 shots per game so far this season away from the Stadium of Light. So yeah, they're, 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 they take a lot of shots, but they also restrict size to, to not yeah, the best at stopping the opposition from having those shots yeah we'll be interesting again a lot of guys in the chat saying where are the shots going to come from um yeah who knows um just a quick one here uh, steve interesting thought do us town fans worry too much about the opposition we've had quite a lot of feedback about this in league one didn't we seb that i think i think there's a difference between us talking through the opposition um it, without a, a huge amount of reference to ipswich we will obviously chip that in i think that's giving the opposition respect as opposed to worrying too much about them. Clearly a team in sixth deserves our respect and we know our form isn't the greatest at the moment as well. Also missing George Hurst, et cetera, Sam Morsey on a suspension. So it's an interesting thought, Steve, if, if you feel like we go too far the other way, then let us know. But I, th I think we try to keep it objective. Um, certainly we're reciting some stats there that, you know, you can interpret those as you want, but they kind of tell a story, don't they? So I think we are, yeah, we talk more about the opposition than we talk about Ipswich maybe on this podcast, but we will talk about us later on and we certainly have threats. But talking of threats, Seb, <laughs> to, to, to bring it back, <laughs> um, Jack Clark's scary prospect, isn't he? Sign for West Ham, you frigger. 
He is, yeah. He's uh, he's arguably the best player in the league so far this season. He's got 12 goals, five with penalties, uh, two assists. Plays on the left, likes to cut inside. He's won four penalties so far this season. So hopefully, like you say, there'll be a bid put in yesterday, which Sunderland will reject. And he'll have his, what's the term? His head's gone, hopefully. And he won't figure on Saturday, but I think he probably will. Dan Neal is a player I like, like in the centre of midfield. Come through the Sunderland Academy. Four goals, three assists so far this season. I'd imagine he'll probably be off to the Premier League in the summer, potentially, if not this year, maybe in the not too distant future, they've just tied him down to a new a new contract in twenty twenty seven. I think <laughs> they've it is. tied so, him down. If they, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, protecting the asset there. Love, Joe you Bellingham. Love a cliche. You love a cliche, don't you? <laughs> Joe Bellingham. Don't talk to me about Joe Bellingham. We need we need to get this. The like you need, to play some, you need a graphic on the screen that you can tick off when I say the the relevant things throughout the season on do, the grass. Um, come we, out bodies. Yeah, exactly right. We we also I don't have it in this bit of the software we need to get the transfer clacks and just in case a deal happens while we're on the air i'm really worried that the guys are going to go oh someone signed we need, and no wonder we some, need to yeah. announce it so um, I'll, I'll be prepared for next for next week but talk about job He's, he's the I think brother, he's got a brother of, somewhere. He's, um, yeah, yeah, Joe Bellingham. I think he's. I think he's got a brother somewhere in the world. Uh, playing as the number ten at the moment. Signed in the summer from Birmingham for one point seven million quid. Four goals, one assist. Didn't he miss a sitter on the opening day? Was that him? I'm sure yeah, it, him. it kind of ball dropped in front of the middle of the goal and swiped at it. And whereas yeah. if he'd just taken a breath, he probably could have swept it into a into basically an empty net. So, delay. So you telling the professional athlete to take a breath? Yeah, just take a breath. You've got to go ball, cold. Sweep the ball home. You've got to go cold. I remember us always talking about Freddie Sears going cold. Dave's used to say, go, "Got to go cold, don't you?" So, um, but yeah, he's only eighteen. I think a lot of us think that he's been around for ages, but that no, he's only eighteen. Um, four goals, one assist. Does miss quite a few chances. I think is is probably the most culpable in terms of big chances missed in that team. But yeah, is is definitely doing a good job of. Plowing his own furrow, shall we say, and yeah. living in the shadow of a, a sibling who's having a little bit more success, but a little bit more advanced than he is. And Sunderland's probably nicer to live in than Madrid as well, so he's winning that battle as well. Exactly right. Um, Alex Pritchard, we've already discussed, score from long range against Preston last time out. He's got five assists. He's their top assist maker. He's commanded over 20 million quid in transfer fees from Norwich and Huddersfield. Was it Norwich signed him from Spurs, I think, and then sold him to Huddersfield or the other way around or something? Yeah, over 20 million quid. So uh, he is the uh, he's kind of still there from the, the league one days. And then we mentioned him earlier, Trey Hume, a player I really like at right back. He's come on massively, I think, so far this season. Only got one goal and one assist, but he loves to get forward. Averages 82 touches per game for some competitors. Comparison, Morsey averages 78, so he's kind of always involved. Uh, takes an average of a touch roughly once a minute or so, and he'll really look to bomb forward on that right-hand side and look to deliver crosses into the box for the strikers. Yeah, Pritchard, I'm surprised he only got one goal, but he likes to ping a shot from range, doesn't he? He nearly scored a pretty good goal against Newcastle, didn't he? But you mentioned the Preston goal, which was classy. So cultured, shall we say, um, but... Um, might fire one in. We, any honourable mentions for anyone else? I'd, I'd like to lob into the mix Luke 09, someone that I like, a utility player, I think. It's probably the old-fashioned way you describe him, but yeah. The Labrador go. saving hero yeah. of the... Yeah, you remember that yeah, story? Yeah, there was yeah. a couple, wasn't there? An old couple, their dog got into trouble or something at the beach and uh, someone rushed into the sea, pulled out the dog, did CPR. Did you do CPR on the dog? Bless him, did CPR on the dog oh, and then uh, looks up and suddenly it's, bloody hell, that's Luke 09. Crazy. Um, yeah, I like him. He came across really well in that documentary, didn't he? Seems like a great yeah. guy. He can play utility player. He can play anywhere across. Back, I think right back, back, centre mid, centre back, centre yeah, mid. He'll goal. be a centre. Yeah, he'll be a centre back alongside Dan Ballard on Saturday. Um, but I think he'll be playing in that 
that position for so long. I think he's uh, he's probably pretty accustomed to it now. And we mentioned the keeper earlier, Anthony Patterson. He's fourth in the goals prevented standings with 2.2. He's an academy graduate and he's been ever present since they moved back up to the championship all last season and all this season so far. They've got some injury issues. Bradley Dack and Mo Brosley took him from Blackburn to Sunderland. Patrick Roberts, who was a one-time Man City big money signing, who was loaned out every single season uh, year after year. Uh, Dennis Kirkin, Neil Huggins and Corey Evans are all out. They are missing a, uh, a few players. I guess on, on that list, Patrick Roberts is the player who I'm quite grateful is missing because I know he's kind of flattered to deceive a little bit, but he's always capable of a trick cutting in on the right-hand side, isn't he? Yeah, I just wanted, given you um, indulge us with your, I guess it's a northeast accent. I just think you were going Anthony... to say Geordie, were you? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I knew exactly where I was going. Don't worry. I think Anthony Patterson is the most northeastern name that you in the accent probably sounds good. Do you want to have a go at that? Anthony Patterson. Okay. It would be the okay. same as my my Luco Nine, my generic, my generic Luco Nine dog saving couple accent. Do you want to give us um, another ident, another bit of graphics that is missing? Is um, Seb's insight of the week? But do you want to share it's, your insight of the week? It's not really an insight. It's just something I noticed. They end games very, very strongly. Ten goals scored, and only three conceded after the seventy sixth minute. Is the fourth best in the league. So it is a side that tends to finish games very well. Just win the first half. Just hang on basically isn't it that's the job uh, last time ipswich won a 5:30 saturday sky game seb um we haven't had too many i can't think of any the so 5:30 saturday five, game so can you, so can we the season to help me narrow it down uh yeah well if i give you the season you'll get it straight away oh okay um well I, i'll give it to you anyway 14:15 sky 5:30 yeah it wasn't five it was 5:15 but close enough Charl- no, Charlton was at midday, wasn't it? I got no idea. Opening day. Oh, of course, yeah. Luke Hyam threw ball to Daryl Murphy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, uh, Fulham at home. Back. Yeah, mm. I, I don't. I put it this way, and I, I've conferred with Statman. I'm yet to hear back. Maybe it's happened whilst the, we've been on air. I don't think we've ever won a five thirty game on a Saturday, but we've won five fifteens, five thirty five, five forty five. But we lost. A lot of them as well. West Brom, obviously, earlier in the season, Seb. Do you remember Swindon losing 3-2 to Swindon? Oh, yeah. Wine two worldies from Scott Yeah, um, We lost to Forest at home 2-0, I think. Uh, yeah. Did really um, early doors. Very, um, um, yeah. Britta Sambalonga scored after like a minute, didn't he? Um, the Leicester 3-0 in the snow was kind of a 5-30-ish game, though. I've skipped one out because it was a really, really horrible away defeat. Um under Paul Jewell that I won't mention, but I'm pretty certain if you think of the worst defeat you can think of. Um, it was, was Norwich. It was that, that was 7.45, wasn't no, it? No, against Peterborough. Oh, God, yeah. Seven, yep. seven uh, one, moving yeah. on, moving on, moving on. Uh, Cardiff, Bullard double uh, was about that time. But yeah, Newcastle, 4-0. Uh, interesting you mentioned that before. That was a 5.30 game as well. So I remember that because I was so sure we hadn't won at that stage and I was so sure being Bobby Robson Day, Roy Keane against um, Newcastle. So I kind of, for some reason, stupidly, I thought we were going to win that game live on telly and it was going to kickstart our season. And then was it Ryan Taylor scored an amazing free kick and yeah, painful. I think Ashley got it. Painful. I'm giving Ashley the benefit of the doubt. He posted that about a minute ago. So I'm giving Ashley the benefit of the doubt. When, well, well done, Ashley. That's a good one. We've got Derby and Cardiff, but yeah, no. So we haven't got a huge amount of history there, but um, Statman might have something posted about that later on. But yeah, not a great time some 
wins over Coventry. Do you remember Walsall 2 0 on the opening day of the 02 03 season, Seb, for us? Oh, yeah, Marcus Bell, Marcus Bell. kick. Yeah, 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 Man United 1 0. Rude Van Roy, that was a 5 30 game as well. So, yeah. yeah, some interesting ones in there, but generally. Not great, if I'm honest. Let's let's move on. Let's give some credit um, and love and affection to the Greyhound. They are our pre-match show partners. If you are looking for a pre-match venue on Saturday, then head to the Greyhound. Who knows who you'll find there, but definitely you'll find a lovely warm atmosphere and lots of lovely drinks that you can... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. They've got Adnams on tap, guys. Just head to the Greyhound um, and give them your support because fantastic venue and uh, did really great before Norwich, didn't they? Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a lot of love for the Greyhound. If you can't make the game in person and you want um, to follow it along and vent and uh, moan or cheer and rejoice, uh, join our Telegram group and you can get involved in the utterly tedious transfer speculation chat that at the moment is very sad and depressing because nothing seems to be happening but telegram free for a couple of weeks and then a subscription thereafter um, lots of fun going on there do join us on sunday eight o'clock for the flagship show i think ben might be, might be back in the host chair um, but use your post-match chat after Sunderland. We'll give it a bit of time and then digest it and then come back and discuss it live. Uh, do get involved in that as well. And as we mentioned as well, head down to the AGL Arena on Sunday as well. It, ITFC Women v Charlton Women in the FA Cup, Women's FA Cup. Big game. They really do appreciate your support. We had a chat with Joe Sheehan um, last week and he was talking about how important that the 12th player is for them and, you know, the atmosphere, et cetera. So if you want to contribute to that, um, head down. And if you want more information, as we say, just ping us a message and we'll, we'll get you sorted. Shall we talk about us, Seb? Um, uh, really tricky to kind of pick this 11, isn't it? Uh, we've <laughs> yeah, got, very. We do have new signings as much as people are bemoaning the lack of business. Unlike Sunderland, two, two hashtag bodies in the building. Um, are they going to be on the grass on Saturday? I'd... Seamless. That's why you're the host. That's why you're the professional host. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to work out what we do, and there seem to be so many caveats. Are we going to apply some rules to our team selection? Are we going to assume Davis is out? Because that kind of affects quite a bit, in my opinion. I guess the big the big talking points are who starts alongside Wolfenden with Burgess away at the Asia Cup thing. Uh, I would personally have uh, Edmondson. I thought he was arguably man of the match against Stoke. I thought he was really solid. I think he deserves that chance. If Davis is missing, then presumably Clark will switch across to left back again, like he was at the Britannia on New Year's Day, which means Twan Zabi will have to continue in the right back position unless Brandon Williams makes a Lazarus-like recovery and suddenly gets his uh, gets his game back on and comes in in the right back slot. I think Travis will come straight in alongside Luongo mm-hmm. um, because I know McKenna tends to bed signings in gradually, but you need that leader on the pitch. You can't replace Morsey, so you've got to get the closest you can to him. He's played 20-odd games so far this season, or made 20-odd appearances, so he, he should be fairly match fit. So I think he comes straight in alongside Luongo. Burns on the right, Chaplin on the in, in the centre. I think it will be Broadhead wide left, and I think he might go Jackson up front mm. because Sunderland's fullbacks will push on, which should create a bit of space for Jackson to exploit. So that's what I think he might do. The alternative, obviously, will be for Sarmiento to come in on the left or Harness to come in on the left and Broadhead play in the number nine, the false nine, the trequiesta, mm. as the kids, I think, call it these days. What would you do? What what, what are you going to do for this I, one? I was pretty happy with what you'd said until you mentioned Harness, and I wonder whether... It might be a game for harness, a little bit of a scrap. for the energy and the work rate. And yeah, the... I don't know, but otherwise, I think you've probably got you've probably nailed it there. Uh, let us know what you think in the chat there. But 
It does you don't feel think like... Broadhead is a false nine. Oh, I've seen. I oh, saw I it so. for half an hour. Um, I don't think he's athletic enough, no. and I don't think he's physical enough to play that role. I think he's, personally, he needs to be dropping deeper than that to be effective. He's, he's as we keep saying, he's kind of in the pocket, isn't he? He's mm. binding the gaps of the space. If Sunderland are going to have, you know, I guess you like you say they push on, don't you? But still, it's quite Full congested there. Yeah. Quite a lot of sitting midfielders and all that kind of stuff. So. I think Broadhead plays his usual role, and I think it's one of Jackson or Ladapo, and I think it's probably Jackson, and I think it's Sarmiento off the bench, perhaps. Mm. Um, I can imagine bringing on Sarmiento and Hutchinson. That will happen. That might happen on Saturday. That would be good, yeah, isn't it? Well That's strength oh. off the off the bench, isn't it? So, yeah, we'll see what happens, and we'll be back on um, Michael's suggested Chaplin in the false nine. But Well, he played the, He played as a striker. He was an out-and-out striker for mm. Barnsley, but that was in a two, wasn't it? And again, is he... Is he athletic enough? Is he physical enough? Probably not. He's going to be dominated in the air, isn't he, given his, his side. But that said, he's, he's decent at getting up for corners and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, interesting. We'll have to... I'll tell you what, let's leave it to McKenna. He'll probably make the right <laughs> one. He knows what we need. Um, yeah. it's an interesting thought from Steve here. Is the team better now than it was at the Stadium of Light? I guess... Well, no, because Morsey's missing and Hurst is missing. Hurst is missing. So, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's the issue, isn't it, really? I think form and confidence is, has, has been knocked a little bit. And we were, we were a relatively unknown quantity at the start of the season. You know, sides didn't know what to, we, we knew what to expect. We've been seeing it for the last four months at the back end of last season. But championship sides probably remember us as being the, you know, the side that constantly finished between, what was it, 10th and, and 20th for a few seasons, playing pretty poor quality football. We were a relative unknown back then. And, and, and yeah, we were able to get off that amazing start, weren't we? Chris has suggested Harness could be a better choice at number nine. Mm. We'll, we shall see. I, I, it's an opportunity for someone to make themselves a hero, isn't there? Um, and make, well, I think a striker happens, whatever we can do there. But yeah, um, I, I think you called it right, Seb, but we will find out on Saturday. Get your thoughts in, folks, for your team lineups and give us your thoughts on what the scoreline might be. Need to say thank you to Angela, Mark, Andy, and Ben. And Ben is our Telegram predictor for the thumbs up on Facebook. We appreciate you, Facebook. Good to have you with us, folks, over there. And if you're watching on YouTube, please do give us a thumbs up as well. Helps nudge us up the old algorithms, ratings, all that kind of nerdy, datary stuff that I bloody love. And subscribe as well. Um, we've got lots of reactions to signings. Hopefully there will be more. Um, and other content coming your way as well, as well as the usual Thursday, Saturday shows as well. So um, thank you everyone for your support as always. Um, but yeah, do chuck us the thumbs up. We very much appreciate that. It's been a while since we've looked at the prediction, Seb. Um, guess what? Last time out, I won. Uh, so that <laughs> is all you really Brilliant. quite tight. Um, was that between you and Ben though, before the Leeds game? Oh, it was, yeah. So you're not, yeah, okay. you're, not, okay. you're not complicit. Yeah. But well, I guess for the overall score, you care that he was only two points off so it wasn't a, i didn't win by a big margin you know you're, so you're still in touching distance there of top spot um ben doing really well actually so um yeah let's have a look at the list of fixtures there's some really interesting games um particularly early on hull norwich coventry leicester is quite interesting other than that said i'm not seeing a huge amount of um opportunities for teams to do us favors i can't see leeds doing anything other than beating Cardiff. Yeah. I think Southampton will beat Sheffield Wednesday, even though Sheffield Wednesday massively resurgent at the moment. I think West Brom will beat Blackburn. Um, so yeah, I, I is is Hull Norwich. 
is this David Wagner's last game in charge at Norwich? Do you think? Well, I, I guess the radio silence from their C, their new CEO Ben Napper would suggest maybe maybe it's going to keep going for a while. I, I've got no idea. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's great. It's great for us to watch. They've got the the tricky task of a replay away to Bristol Rovers, aren't they, in midweek after this one to try and get through to a game against Liverpool. I wish Liverpool could re-sign Luis Suarez for that game. Do you remember how many times he banged in four or five goals against Norwich? It was brilliant, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, surely at some point they have to change something they've arguably left it a couple of months too late for this season so we'll see if he can live to fight another day after fabio carvalho rocks up a couple of goals on his team yeah so what you're going in that one you're going for a 2-0 i'm going for a yeah, 2-1 ben and i got wishful thinking about coventry a resurgent coventry you think leicester are just too i do and they've kept a lot of players who are meant to be going to afcon and yeah i just think from this point forward they will they will move on and they will steamroll the league and they'll probably win it by 10 to 15 points i reckon at least okay mm. well you never know coventry are are much better m69 derby so you know you know local grudge match there That's a little incredibly bit incredibly partridge to reference a football derby through a uk motorway it's what it's probably called partridge moments that's what it's that's, that's what it's called oh is look it really up. look it up okay yeah. i i do have a bit of local knowledge i've not i, I it has been mentioned before why before. do you like coventry do you okay I've, i have got local knowledge there but yeah the m69 derby um lovely road three lanes as well very quiet usually so jesus you can, move on it's like the hypotenuse when the m1 and the m6 is the uh is the right angle so um, I bet you moving on gloves, don't you <laughs> overtaking national express coaches becomes a long drawn out affair let's not talk about worst, our game then um talk to me about why you're so disloyal and don't this have any never, this has never happened but has it ever happened before where i've predicted a worse result than than you have normally yeah. if, if i predict a loss it means pretty rare loss as well so yeah i just think one one i mean i don't think it's gonna be a game with many goals in it given our luck of <laughs> kind of front options at the moment we've already discussed sunderland and misley on the road in terms of goals conceded and they don't score that many either i just think with the the, the kind of Morsey factor taken into account, the George Hurst factor taken into account. Um, Sunderland are unbeaten in the last three with a new manager. I think it's a. I think it's got one one written all over it. Personally, fair dues. I'm going. I also believe it will be a tight affair, but I just think someone's going to do something. A, a broadhead or a Jeremy Sarmiento. Yeah, maybe. I just think I, I have seen a little bit of Sunderland defensively that gives me some hope. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Bill's system is one that necessarily lends itself to stopping us, but it's converting those chances. It's the issue, isn't it? And I think Edmondson coming into the team, that kind of the Stoke back four, having played at Wimbledon, we didn't talk too much about Tuenzebi, did we? But um, I, I, I think there's a little bit of understanding there that might keep them at bay, but you've got to keep Jack Clark at bay. I think if you do that, then you've got a chance. And maybe, just maybe, He'll be on the bench for West Ham or Crystal Palace at the weekend, and that's job done for us. So maybe you play Twan as kind of that recovery pace in the fullback position if Davis is out. Obviously, we, we discussed Brandon Williams, but Clark shifts across to the to the left like he was at Stoke, and Twan yeah. is your recovery pace, maybe more of a stay at home fullback given the 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 Jack Clark situation. He's going to need a help, bit of help from Wes Burns on the day as well, isn't he? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to see how we get on. Ben's going for a two-one. He thinks there'll be a few goals, but he's going positive as well. But we will come back next week and see how we get on what have we got in the chat um we've got ad's going for a 2-1 um Seabass has gone for a 1-0 as well um neil i always go for a win but i'm going one all as well you are you and seb you in the misery corner you mood hoovers you um uh zach king doctor 
He's going for a 2-1 as well. Uh, Michael, score 1-0 or 1-0 or 0-1. Shall I carry on? I'm going for the binary scores there. I don't know. Rob's going for a 1-0. Chris is going for a 2-0. He's going for a late Sarmiento breakaway as well. I love the fact that we're getting the working as well. Um, Norman, Rich, given your love of the transfer speculation, will you be hosting a Blue Monday try? I will not, Norman. I will. Deadline day is not for me. But we will do one if if there is if we feel like there's enough momentum and action might happen, Norman, we'll be back. But you know, I did the um Lewis Travis show last week. I've um Dan from Rovers Chat, I can hardly recommend that. I will deal with deaf info, I will deal with done deals, but everything else I will leave to my colleagues um who very much enjoy that kind of stuff. Oh, Steve's going for a nil one. Always pessimistic. It hurts less. No, you've got a I believe as Ted it's a weird month isn't it because there's only six points to play for and it's Leicester away next week which I think even the most foolhardy optimistic town fan like myself would probably argue is going to be a really tough gig so it is a strange month this this kind of FA yeah. Cup sandwich league program in the middle of January and if we can get three points then absolutely brilliant you know from from, from the two games we're going to play that's great but yeah it's an interesting one isn't it it's um yeah it's a not, strange time yeah. of year we get to get the win to kind of put the because there's, there's always the Don well, Goodmans of this world already starting to say the pressure. The pressure's not on us. No one predicted us no. getting in the autos. The fact we're there now is good. Yes, the gap has been closed by the teams, but we're out. We're trying to compete with teams that are being uh, potentially speculated with spending twenty-one million pounds on a single player this window. I just think there will be a point where we click back into gear, and it's it's odd. The parallels with last season, we were struggling mm. with draws. Lincoln on Newsday, I remember. Needed you know, that a striker urgently. Yeah. Needed a striker, you're right. And then suddenly, business so you're saying from time. Valentine's Day onwards, we're going to win 14 out of 15 and concede two goals. Someone else has said that. I think who said someone on the pod team said that. I'm trying to remember who it was, but be it's been said and I and it wouldn't you wouldn't put it past. Well, look, if you're if you're my score predictions come true, we'll be third, won't we? Come kickoff for this game so we both expect Lambton to beat um Sheffield Wednesday they're only one goal behind on the goal difference so in theory I guess they're going to probably go go second by the time 5.30 rolls around so it's an interesting dynamic for us to shift to when was the last time we weren't second that must be <laughs> yeah month that one up but October yeah. September maybe um Chris Rand good grief there's even a Wikipedia page for the M69 derby there you go formerly the A46 derby um a much inferior road if anyone cares about that. Michael's go for Chapman to score the only go Lee, uh, goal. Lee going 2 1, Ben 3 1. Um, you know, Lee differently. Oh no, same Lee saying three points Saturday and hopefully draw it less. So that would be good. Two point. Take that right now. Uh, yeah, per game out of those would be good. FA Cup says Norman might be a blessing in disguise. Help us get some form. Um, and Chris, a reminder we're still ahead of where we were this time last season unbelievable uh Irvin's going for a 3-1 um so yeah and Michael I would like Freddie to score I think we all would like Freddie we all would but I think that's good yeah I can't see that yeah happening. we'll see how well we'll see what happens on sun- Saturday we'll talk about it on Sunday and then we'll be back next week to see how the points manifest themselves in the race for championship of predictions yet again Seb, I think you're going to um, see us out in the usual style. I think it's now rotated back to you. So I will say thank you for your research. I'll say thank you to everyone who's watching. Thank you, everyone who's listening as well on podcast audio after the fact. As we said, thumbs up, subscribe, 
five star ratings and a, and a review if you want to provide a review as well on your podcast app of choice very much appreciated but thank you everyone who made it all the way through a little bit over the one hour this week so um apologies for that but get, giving Rusty. you value hopefully giving you value and as i said we're back on sunday thank you to the greyhound as well um if you're there you may see us hanging around um but yeah fingers crossed seb we've got some uh, three points to talk about that would be good wouldn't it Hopefully, very much so. Yeah, come and see us in the Greyhound beforehand if you're out and about. That'd be great. Obviously, it's a later kickoff time, but that just means more time in the pub beforehand. Make Portman Road as loud as possible. They'll bring a good number. They'll bring, what, 2,000, 2,500. They'll sell out, so they'll be nice and loud. So let's make sure we we shout them down. And as we just discussed, yeah, only two league games so far this season. So let's get it uh, this season, uh, this month. So let's get it off to a, a good start with three points under our belts. As always, come on, you blues. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.